Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Kaiser Pankakowski. We are talking about special needs parenting alongside being a PhD researcher. We're talking about the challenges of that, but also talking about the joys of that. And we give a big mention to saunas. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Kaiser. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really looking forward to this discussion, although, as we've both said, it's kind of with trepidation that we talk about this because it's very dear to both of our hearts. Um, But thank you very much for because we're going to talk about um, being a special needs parent and doing research work at the same time. (laughs) Yes. All that that means. All (laughs) that means. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah. So, Thank you so much for, because I, I, as I've already said, I, this is such an important topic because it doesn't get talked about um, very much at all. Um, but there are lots of people who are on that journey and it is a doubly difficult one. Um, and so I'm really grateful for you kind of opening up that discussion today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I just love your podcast. I think you've had some really inspirational and interesting guests. So I feel really honoured to sort of join that crowd. Bless you. Well, as I say, I'm just about to have another one. Just about to have another one. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, so before we get into all of that, mm. I'm just going to ask, as I do with everybody, in terms of tell us a bit about your journey um, in and through the PhD. Right. Okay. So um, I just passed my Viva this Yay! summer. I know, I know. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in a really good place to look back at the PhD journey. It's been a really long journey. Right. Um, I think anybody sort of um, doing a PhD is going to be really curious about things and inquisitive. And um, if you plan to spend years taking a deep dive into a topic, and I did spend many years, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, but I just, um, I love doing research. I have lots of special interest topics, like um, an obvious one, as I lived in quite a few different countries um, in my adult life is sort of languages and identities and ideologies and anything um, to do with them. So um, I did my BA in Portsmouth and master's at Cardiff University School of Journalism. And um, I looked at Euroscepticism in the UK and Finland for my master's dissertation. Mm. Yeah, um, this was back in 2004, 2005, wow. so a long time before Brexit. Wow. Let's, let's not go there today. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. a juicy, that's a juicy topic, that's a whole normal one. Yeah, yeah so um, at the time, sort of after my master's, I thought, oh, I'd like to do a PhD and maybe look at climate change and how it's represented in the media. And I'd had a few discussions in my department about doing this PhD. But then before I went ahead to apply, I got an internship working in Chile for a local newspaper, El Diario La Discusión, in a city called uh, called, um, Chian. So, you know, I was in my late 20s and I felt like South America was a little bit more exciting than doing PhD. Yeah. Um, So I then ended up working in the media for about 10 years until I had a bit of an early midlife crisis. Oh, oh and had two kids as well. Um, so <laughs> Were they connected anyway? <laughs> no. Yeah, maybe. Um, so um, there's um, actually this really specific moment that I was in a sauna 
in West Wales, where I was thinking, you know, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, I worked in the media and journalism for a long time. Um, it was lots of short-term contracts, a lot of competition. There were new graduates every year mm. entering the job market. And they were happy to do your job for free. Right. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go back into academia. <laughs> Why not? Right. Right. Yeah. So um, it sort of appeared to me um, so that I should do research on multilingual families um, and being in a sauna, being in a spa or just resting or taking breaks, it's it's just this massive theme that I hope we can come back to yes, into, yes, in the next yes, 20 yes. minutes. Yeah. Yes. So having relaxation or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's just so important for creativity and yes. academic yes. work. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Oh, so a bit, bit of background about my research. Um, so my kids speak three languages because of our circumstances. And but then I found that quite a few potentially bilingual or multilingual children and also added adults, they don't they didn't speak their heritage languages or the language of a parent or both parents sometimes they would just speak the majority language of the of the country that they right. lived in. Right. So right. um quite often the second generation immigrants or third generation immigrants don't actually speak their heritage languages. So I'm a first generation immigrant. I left Finland to study and work abroad when as a young adult. And um, then that makes my children second generation immigrants, although they're half Welsh. But right. there we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was kind of a progression of my thinking to want to seek answers and do this this PhD and it just needed this quiet moment in a sauna in West Wales to come mm -hmm. up with the idea like oh this is what I really want to do so um yeah for my PhD I investigated um 14 case study families in Finland and Wales in um, Helsinki and in Cardiff so in my two home cities and um the children spoke sort of the official languages of the country but also another language which could be the language of the parents or some of the families they had moved around quite a bit so that's why they spoke several languages and what I wanted to find out was sort of what were the parents or language ideologies or why did they want to transmit multiple languages to the kids and um, what their strategies were what their experiences were and then uh, most importantly I also interviewed the kids because there's not a lot mm. of research from the kids and um you know, I wanted to see what their perceptions were of sort of growing up with multiple languages. So mm. yeah, um, I just had my viva. Yay! Um, I know. I'm I'm so pleased. Um, it was a really enjoyable process. Um, well, that but, is good to hear. Yes, yes. Um, but the whole PhD took me um, eight years with several wow. breaks. Wow. Um, that's right. a really long time. I had a toddler when I started. She's now mm. nine, and um, and a five-year-old, and she he's now a teenager. So, yes, it's been a long journey, but also I've I've done a lot in the eight years. I've yes. written all these academic and non-academic articles and blog posts, and I organised a multilingualism conference with two other PhD students. We have a multilingualism research group at Cardiff Uni. I've given expert interviews. Um, I've done workshops and presentations. I'm organizing another conference at Swansea Uni at, in, in January. So, yeah, it's been a long journey, but really enjoyable. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is the good news story. And yes. I love it. And I love yeah. that just because it took you a long time, because I mm. think people often get really caught up in this. It's like it's taking me a long time to do this. 
it's like that's how it is sometimes and like you say Mm. actually you've done so much along the way and you've enjoyed that process there's nothing wrong in that yeah um I I think that the well there's also which we've touched on many times before but about this culture of kind of three years and done and um Mm. actually knowing that there are different ways of doing it and it can be really beneficial to do it that way is is really important to remember um so I'm really interested that your your research really was about family life too (laughs) so there's there's been a kind of parallel (laughs) journey yeah um and so to get to that, and I want to, I want to remember what, what to keep this sauna in our minds as we go. <laughs> yeah, it's very of, important of space, really important, and kind of come mm-hmm. back to that in a minute. But to yeah. just to 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 spend a few moments thinking about the challenges of that and the challenges yeah. of parenting alongside and special parenting um, mm. alongside this journey. Yeah. So um, I th- I think we talked about this earlier you know parenting is is really hard work yeah and when you add special needs to it you know that's like uh, another level isn't it so um where do I start so um I I watched um there she goes on BBC iPlay recently it's it was just a really good program it shows the struggles and obviously my experience as a parent is completely different um but when you have a child with extra needs you do sort of grieve for the child that you did not have mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. feel really sad for the child for the challenges they they are going to face yeah. in their life and yeah. your mental load is just so heavy yeah um yeah. um when we think about hidden disabilities somebody with like adhd or autism like my son they may appear sort of at times just like somebody who's neurotypical but i've got quite a good radar now for that new neurodiversity but um anybody with disabilities we we just don't know what the massive steps are mm. that they or the parents have taken just to be outside or in a public place you know yeah, yeah. and then you think about the different therapies and treatments and medications and years of research and um hospital appointments and school appointments and therapists and oh my goodness uh <laughs> daily phone calls from a school is it can be just really really exhausting yeah yeah. And um, for me, sort of PhD was almost like a break from all this, <laughs> just to be able to I concentrate on something you. else. I yeah. hear you. To have some space for you. Because yes. as you say, it is it is full, full on. Um, and yeah, I, I think most people know, you know, my daughter has cerebral palsy and we, we have an, at least one appointment every week. Mm-hmm. and um medical appointment and like you say and that's that's not including all the research and everything else that goes into it <laughs> no. all of that and yeah. that's a whole other level of attending to needs yeah. um because of course all children have special needs because you have to attend to their particular thing that's going on mm-hmm. for them at the time but this is a whole kind of another level of caring and the responsibilities yeah. of that so I love that you found you found sanctuary in your work because it can be <laughs> yeah. it can be um but anything else around the, the sort of the the challenges? Because you mentioned the mental load there, because it is yeah. full on, and you're on high alert all the time. Yes, yeah, you feel like you are walking on eggshells all yeah. the time. Yeah, I think um, 
when when my son was first diagnosed, I went to a talk. Um, I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, they sort of compared special needs parenting to taking a flight and then yes. ended up somewhere different. And yes. I think that was just brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you're expecting a child, you're taking a flight, say, to, to Spain. You've done all the preparations. Maybe you've been there before. You know, you've spoken to friends and family who, who had the experience. You Maybe you speak the language. You've done your research about the destination and then boom, you know, you you land in um, Iceland yes. and you think, oh, wow, okay, so this is different. You need to yes. adjust to the climate and the code and you need to adjust everything. You need to adjust your expectations and then so everything has just sort of changed. And But then they said, you know, wherever you end up, you know, that's Iceland is beautiful too. You know, it's yes. exotic, it's different. It's just yes. not what you have prepared for. And maybe you have different life lessons to learn from this place. And yes. I, I felt like that was such a beautiful way of describing this special needs parenting. Yes. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my goodness. And we we said we were going to try not to cry in this thing, but I can <laughs> I already know, feel I myself welling up because <laughs> I feel so lucky. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like it's been such a gift. And Charlotte has taught me so, so much. Mm. Um, so I think that absolutely that. Um but it's still tiring. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, it's still yeah. Tiring, and I and I I think that this sense of the sense of that the amazing journey that you are on, and it can take over everything. Mm. Um, and and finding places, um, that you can, like you say, that this work being in your work and and the the clearly because you talk with such enthusiasm and energy about it, mm. the the way in which the work has has sustained you. Um, so finding strategies then to to do that work and and the things that have helped you in that process yeah okay so um, I think this applies to anybody doing a PhD and it's just taking breaks Um, Mm. I'm just back from the Greenman Festival in Banay Brachenjog and you know it was just so lovely to take a break and do something completely different Um, so I'm ready to tackle my final corrections which is uh, very exciting um so yeah taking breaks I I think it's quite easy to be sucked into this an unhealthy habit of overworking especially when you're really interested in a topic like like I am you know I go into this PhD bubble and then I realize I haven't taken a break I haven't eaten all day um my alarm clock clock is going off because I need to pick up the kids from school and that's like a really good way to burn out so don't do that um so yeah, I, I said I talk about saunas. So um you did, yeah. you did. <laughs> it's it's just so important to have a bit of life outside your PhD, but also your life demands. And yeah. you know, I think it's important to have a lot of time outside your PhD and, and responsibilities. And I I just haven't always been um that great at taking breaks because I just love my topic. It's so personal to me yes. and I hyper focus and sometimes I realize that hours have passed and um you know, I haven't taken a break. I now have a sports watch and I have a smart ring as well. And they kind of remind me that take a break, take a break, <laughs> walk no, away no, from no. your desk. And no, no, no. it's it's just so important to put things in the diary. Like, you know, I do a lot of yoga. I go to a gym. Um, I'm going to continue study Welsh again in September. So um, I've just been for a jog this morning because I'm taking part in a, on an online retreat after this. So it's, um, you know, leave your laptop at home when you go on holidays. Um well, it's really hard for me to do that, but I sometimes just take, you know, something that I printed that I need to proofread. So just take breaks and um, 
So I wrote this blog post um, about 10 self-care tips for the PhD. And um, I think it's important to think, you know, what, what's going to bring you joy? What's going to make you relax? Yes. Um, you know, whatever works for you. I, I enjoy spending time in the nature. Uh, we go to the beach a lot as a family. Um, I love um, forest and mountain walks. And I really wish I could do more, more of that. Yes. And I think, I think it is that it's that, well, I, I love that you started this theme with this sense of being in the sauna and the ideas coming to you because you mm. had space. Yes. And I think it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because we, we've all done it. We all think, yep. oh no, I can't take a break. I'm really in it at the moment. I'm really yep. in it. And yep. remembering that you can be over in it, if that is yes. even a thing, do you exactly. know what I mean? In yes. terms of being I talk about working in the PhD and working on the PhD. And when you're working in the PhD and you're dig, dig, dig in and you're you're kind of there at, at, at the at the cold face, so to speak. Yeah. You, you can't always think the big thoughts and mm. taking time out. It's, I call it like holiday thinking. You know, when you are at the beach and there's this big expanse and you think bigger, you just yeah. think bigger thoughts. Yes, and, exactly. And knowing that that can happen for you, knowing that taking a break and not doing, I mean, obviously not doing it just to do that because otherwise <laughs> it becomes a bit weird. Mm. Um, but knowing that that is a gift that you can give yourself as well as, um, uh, and mainly for this sense of rest. And I think especially, yeah. as you say, in terms of, of special needs parenting it it is constant and mm. if you don't rest you're going to burn out and if you burn out who's going to look after your person <laughs> yeah that's it that's it so yeah. it, it really that's so important and I, I just think that's such a such a really headline important thing in terms of relaxation and as you say in terms of creativity as well and then you mentioned that you mentioned just going on a retreat and I know that you yes. before we were talking you were talking about how important retreats have been to your process so can you say a little bit yes. more about that yeah so um I often found in the first years of my PhD I find that I was really productive when I was on a train or on a plane like going to a right. conference right. because it was sort of empty time when you're on your own but you can't really do anything productive uh, right. and then I think it was in my third year I went on a writing retreat uh in Scotland it was Rowena Murray's retreat and it was just mind-blowing you know my productivity was amazing I got so much done um so yeah um at my university there are quite a few online and face-to-face face retreats and even residential ones so it's definitely worth finding out about that and um especially the residential retreats, I find that they are just brilliant, you know, when, um, and then COVID hit, obviously. So um, I went on quite a few solitary retreats into nearby hotels. Uh, right. And it was just, I didn't have to think about the mental load or anything yes. but my writing. Yes, I think this was in um, autumn, in September, October 2020, when the hotels opened again. And I've been supporting my family full time and uh, I could just cycle a couple of miles to a hotel and be on my own just with a thesis and my laptop and snacks and a timetable. Mm. Um, and it was just such a beautiful, gorgeous moment. I think I cried a little because it was just oh. like, wow, it, it's just me. And yes. I don't have to think about anybody else's needs. Uh, I don't need to deal with meltdowns. I don't need to deal with anything but just my thesis writing. And um at the end of the day, you kind of stop and you take a proper break. Um, 
that you can't necessarily do at home. So yes, yes, yeah. yes. Snacks being an important part of that in terms of caring for your body in that mm. in that break in that retreat time. And um, and Rowena Murray and I had her on the podcast. So if people are thinking about retreats, they might want to listen to that episode and find out more what goes on there. But also remembering because I think for some people they might be saying, you know, but this caring for me is really full on, and I don't think I can get away. And you know, I know for me it's very difficult to find anybody who can care for Charlotte because she's tube fed and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but um, remembering, like you said, there are online retreats that that um, still may be possible for you, you know, within the school day, or maybe if there's somebody who can come and be at least with you in that in the house. Um, and also remember that retreats don't have to be, they don't have to be two, three days. It could be three hours. Yes. And um, th- there's a brilliant um book by Jen Loudon I know I talked about it before in terms of the, it's the woman's retreat book but it's appropriate for everybody but you know how you can set yourself up for an hour retreat a half day retreat and give it at home but because it's that quality of attention to your to your physical needs as well as allowing space for your creativity as well so I just this is such a gorgeous um offering for us thank you Kaiser because it is, yes. it is that sense of this is really important time and it kind of becomes sort of like sacred time doesn't it that you're you're setting aside yeah it does yeah I I uh, when I sort of work on my own um I use the forest app as well which is really good mm. when you want to do properly concentrated work um you know just one one step at a time half an hour an hour at a time and even that is progress absolutely and we'll put the link we'll put we're talking about loads of different stuff here i will make sure all the links go in the show notes um so we'll have the links to your blog post we're going to have the links to uh rowena's podcast we can do the link to the forest app the forest app can you just explain mm. it for people who haven't come across it before just let us know how that works right it's just setting up um maybe half an hour or an hour um, at the time doing a pomodoro and really turning off your uh, emails social media anything that could distract you and you decide okay i'm going to work for half an hour and magic happens basically yes <laughs> it's all about the trees and nature yes and, exactly um, and um yeah you can go and you can we'll leave that as a teaser you can yeah. you can find you can find out um mm. if you know you know um i'm aware of time mm-hmm. there's so much that we could have talked about here i know we, we had, there was a massive list and we we're like okay yes. i'm focusing um but is there anything else that you'd like to to um say or any I always ask people for a top tip or top tips so any thoughts that people could take away with them if they are if they are facing these sort of particular challenges at the moment okay um can I talk about interruption of study really quickly yes no, that's that has really, been yes yeah. that's really useful that's something I've had to take because of life circumstances. You know, I've, I actually, in those eight years, I took three interruptions of study and one extension because, you know, my son was diagnosed with ASD and then lots of, lots of thing, things happened like the pandemic. And, um, you know, and also there were times that I didn't take good breaks. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really have a chance to take breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just had to take a break from PhD. And I think, um, you know, to avoid burnout. And I think, the first time I took it, I was quite worried, you know, what are people going to say or how how is it going to impact me? But um, I just had the most supportive supervisors um, shout yes, out to. Yes. Yes. Dr. Jonathan Morris and Professor Jermot McGeolacrest. Um, they just, um, they said, of course, you need to take a break. You know, yeah, it, it was just beautiful. And I think don't be afraid to take an interruption or study if that's what what you need 
Oh, I love that. I love that so much because I think we can't say that enough because mm. it seems to be such a sort of weird stigma about, well, not actually probably not weird, a, a stigma around it in terms of feeling like it's a failure or feeling like it's a problem. It isn't. Yeah. And mm. it's, it's, it's sometimes it is absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. And as you say, because it avoids burnout and burnout is very difficult to come back from. An interruption, not so difficult to come back from. No. Burnout, very difficult to come back and from. I, I, I find that actually uh, taking a break, I took four months at the time and it actually developed my thinking a lot. So it was so yes. nicer to come back to the whole yes. PhD. Yes. Oh, yes. And and we always love a shout out to supported yes. folks. So yes. oh, thank you for that. I was very thank lucky. Thank you for that. And yeah. um, anything else then? before we of course I'll I'll, I'll give you two tips if I may yes Um, please (laughs) so um a couple of years ago I wrote 40 top tips but I'll give you two if I may so um I think number one find your tribe and support network it could be online or PGR community friends or family um I found you from this beautiful Facebook group called PhD and easier parents and that's been super Uh helpful um there's also another Facebook group called uh, Bridging the Gap. It was set up by my friend Rowan, and now they have like 46,000 members or something. What? Crazy. So, yeah, it's all about looking at the mental load that we do as women, especially. Um, we take on most of the mental load and the emotional load that comes with being an adult and parenting and especially um, special needs parenting. And it's it's just exhausting. It's unachievable. It's mm. uh, it's so hard to be perfect. It's it's impossible to meet certain standards in our society. And um, I feel like the Barbie movie really puts it the message across. Right, right, it's, yes. It, it's basically impossible to carry most of the mental load that goes with being an adult and yes. raising a family and also do a PhD. So we need rest and self-care and we deserve it as well and life yes. outside of all, all of this. Yes. And uh, second top tip, um, I yes. didn't um, write this in the blog post, but um, um, is to celebrate every step. Yes. Um, so when you finish a chapter or when you submit your thesis or graduation or after meeting with the supervisors, doing a conference paper or a poster, or, you know, they are all massive achievement. I, I've got this um, celebration coming up next year. So um, I'm planning to have a hat party. So, oh, no. <laughs> yes. So my, my sister, she's just finishing her PhD in Finland wow. and they get to wear a top hat and buy a sword at the end of it. So the plan is that I'm going to wear my floppy hat and she'll wear her top hat. Oh, we'll ask family uh, and friends to wear hats and we'll go to somewhere like a nice restaurant and, and have a hat party because why not? I love it. I love it. And I think that spirit of celebration and joy yes. has got to be part of that. We haven't got to be, but it's an important energizer on the journey. And I think if you're going to wait until you graduate to celebrate, that is a long time to wait. Yes. And absolutely celebrating the milestones along the way, really to, to cheer yourself on and to let other people cheer you on to kind of say, oh, come and join me in this because I'm celebrating this um it is so important so important um thank you so much Kaiser for all of this um and congratulations once again thank you very much (laughs) for all this um I I, I say we've we've touched on so much today and we will have everything um in the show notes thank you for taking the time I really appreciate it 
Um, and thank you all for listening. Thank you.